Welcome to the Sun Island. Welcome back, guys. Um, ecstatic today. Um, we are here um, with uh, Kathy Bowersox. Um, super excited to have her around. She is the owner of NIA Business Force. And basically, um, they work a lot with uh, veterans. And uh, today, we're definitely going to talk about her, learn about her story, and uh, why she chose to, you know, be a part of this work to empower and build um, veteran as business owners. So, um, Kathy, um, just kind of give us a little bit of background on yourself and uh, why, as I mentioned, this work is so important to you. Thank you, Sheldon. I'm thrilled to be here and excited to have this conversation with you. So uh, I started my second career as a counselor and then became a business coach and an executive coach and that sort of thing. And so that rolled into more business coaching. And when I was a counselor, my specialty was trauma. And so I worked with crime victims, women in violent relationships, and soldiers and veterans. Mm. And so I heard some of the horrible things that they went through and counseled them through that. Um, I'm a strong patriot. I have always had a heart for veterans. Uh, my family served all the way back to the revolution down through my grandfathers. And so, and I don't think veterans get treated right. Hmm. in our country today and so this is what I do is my way of helping them for their service or thanking them for yeah. their service and the work that I do both in my networking groups and in my coaching business is to help transform small business and the lives of their owners and so these networking groups simply tie into that cool so you said um earlier in your career you worked with a lot of like People who were traumatized, mm -hmm. different victim, uh, victim of abuse, victim of war, or what, what, whatnot. Um, what would you say some of the stuff you've picked up from just dealing with so much people that have had trauma from folks that you've seen who had a traumatic experience and it shut them down, mm -hmm. uh, and then you do have others that have some type of experience with trauma and they figured a way to get around it from your experience um I've, I've actually asked this question before where do you see individual thrive and individual kind of get reclusive you know that's a really great question because there are kind of those two populations when you go through trauma um it's especially if it's something really unusual uh, like unexpected, that sort of thing. Um, the people who tend to recover well and thrive are the people who can get past, why did this happen to me? We mm. tend to have a just world mindset that mm. in a just world, bad things don't happen to good people because that wouldn't be fair because the world is just. Understood. And so it really messes with our mindset and our mind if something bad happens to us. Yeah. In in my culture, they have a saying. We use a lot of saying. They say, uh, donkey said the road is not level. So the donkey said the world is not level. 
So basically what that's saying is uh, life is unfair. Exactly what you're saying. <laughs> what you're saying. Uh, so now you get over the idea of it's not fair. So who tackles that and who don't? So I think a lot of it depends on the coping skills somebody has before they go through something traumatic. There are some people that have not built up good coping skills for one reason or another, and they just aren't prepared Mm. to deal with something like that. And then there are others who have built good coping skills, and um, if they can't get past the, why did this happen to me, and my life is destroyed, and they can't see a way forward where their life is going to be better at any point in time, which a lot of them go through that, uh, then they're not going to be able to progress and move forward. They kind of tend to have a, a rigid mindset, and those people have a um, what we call locus of control, which is where the control is. Is it mm. outside of me, or do I have the control? Yes. And so people who have an external locus of control mm-hmm don't feel like they can do anything about it. Correct. And so those people tend not to do well. Those who have an internal locus of control who feel like, okay, this happened to me, I can do something about it, I can respond and be resilient and find ways to cope with it, create a meaning Mm -hmm. out of what has happened to me in my life and find a purpose to go on, those are the people who tend to do better in recovery. What are some of the ways people uh, look for internal um, uh, locus of control versus external? What what are some of the things that people can do to actually figure it out? So that's really a complicated question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It is an entire mindset shift. Mm. And that is a challenge for people across the board whether they've been traumatized or not because part of the way we develop that locus of control is how we grew up and how we saw the world if we grew up feeling helpless Mm. and not being able to do anything for ourselves then it's likely we will have that external locus of control life just happens to me Things just happen to me. The world happens to me. If we grew up being able to master the things that happened to us Mm -hmm. um, and we learned coping skills and how to deal with those kinds of things, Mm -hmm. then we will learn to have an internal locus of control that we can impact, that there are circumstances that we experience. Well, circumstances are just facts. They're, they're not something that's happening to you. They are just the situation. What is so? Yes. So now it's up to us to determine how do we respond to that. And so if we respond well and we create mastery around it, yeah. then we will build that internal locus of control. Yeah, <clears throat> and it went back to what you're saying is how prepared are you mm-hmm. before that crisis hit, Yes. Right? Yes, and I would. I would argue that um, folks would probably have to just like take responsibility um, as much as they can. Mm-hmm. And one way, just in my own personal life, that I try to take responsibility to kind of understand different ways to cope is educate myself, right? Mm-hmm. Self education. 
And just as you're talking about locus of control, I uh, I read this book, um, uh, Joseph Campbell, and it's about uh, the hero's journey. Mm-hmm. And the, I've heard of it. I haven't read it yet, but I've heard of some. The whole thing is revolved around that whole idea that you're your own um, hero in your own destiny, and if you uh, if you want to be a side uh, extra in your own movie. That's uh-huh. <laughs> that's your choice. But you said it takes a whole mindset shift, um, and just that simple. Well, I wouldn't say simple. That mindset shift would propel you in so many other great areas in your life. And one of that area would be um, trying to become an entrepreneur. Absolutely. Becoming a person who takes control, how does that translate Mm -hmm. in, because a lot of people want to become an entrepreneur and it's glamified, right? It's glorified and, but people don't realize that it's, it's, it's not really what it, it craps up to be if you're not really, really, really wanting to do that thing. And my wife reminded me earlier, because she's very religious and, she said the reason why, you know, God don't show people <laughs> their destiny or is they would give up if they knew exactly what they had to do <laughs> to get to that destiny. She's got a point there. <laughs> and it hit me. You know, I kind of knew, but it kind of hit me. And I'm like, that is so true. So how understanding your own self, self of, of destiny impact a person that wants to venture off into be an entrepreneur? So you're asking about, ask me that again, I'm yeah, sorry. No worries. So how does, from, from your point of view, how does a person who kind of figuring that they're going to direct their life, mm-hmm. how do that individual fit in becoming an entrepreneur? Well, I think, and this is just my opinion, uh, that um, we have to start with purpose. Purpose, Okay. Uh, I don't know if you've ever read Simon Sinek's book. Start oh, with why. My word, I I can go off on that. I ha- I have not read the book, but his famous TED talk I've watched more than I can count. <laughs> I've watched it multiple times too, and I've read the book, yes. and it's a powerful message. Yes. And as you know, people connect with your passion and why you're doing what you're doing versus what or how. Yes. And I think if entrepreneurship is hard. I think it's one of the hardest things that people will ever do. Uh, I've never worked so hard as when I've worked for myself. And I think that if you don't have a purpose that is driving you, Mm -hmm. you'll give up. Or you won't have the grit to keep going and doing the right things that you need to do to make that business successful. Because if you think about what we've been through in the last few years, what do you do to keep your business going when the world is shut down and we're in the middle of a pandemic? Correct. Right. You've got to have that mental grit. You've got to have resilience. You've mm-hmm. got to have, um, you've got to be creative. Oh, wow, and yeah. And finding new ways maybe to do what you do, maybe shift your business to an online model if what you do is a knowledge business or like the restaurants did, uh-huh. shifting to takeout and curbside. 
and those kinds of things, you've got to uh, find ways yeah, that you can keep going. And if you're if you don't have that mindset and that grit, your your business is going to fail every single time. Yes, so I find that's the number one thing when you have a strong why have a friend, a really good friend, and he's been a part of my journey for years. He, he observing close and far, you know, because, you know, you mm-hmm. weave in and out with relationships. Um, and he said something to me recently. He said, Sheldon, um, and this is a, a man of faith, like a man of fa- like real faith. Mm-hmm. And he, he said something that was striking to me. He said, Sheldon, I don't know how you stay so steadfast, and I'm kind of paraphrasing, in an industry where so many things is out of your control. Yes. That's somebody saying that to me. I've never even looked at it like that. And, and, and in all honesty, what he's saying is the honest truth. Yes. He is being right. Because he's, he's that one of that friend who just will tell you as it is. Everybody needs those four friends like those in, it, in their lives. And he said that to me. And I had to think. I'm like, that is true. And it made me think more. And I'm like, you know what? The reason is I'm not, it's not too much so about the money for me. In, in all, and, and I know most people that say I have passion and love what they do, they'll say that. But for me, it's real. Like I, I start out of business outside my solar business mm-hmm. just so I don't have to depend on my solar business to make a living. Okay, I get that. <laughs> Multiple streams of revenue. Yeah, because I want to feel that, that level of comfort that I don't have to tell a homeowner's just whatever to put food on my children's table. Mm-hmm. Right. And unfortunately, that is an issue in, in our industry. Right. Because there is it's so new. Solar, it's so new. People don't really fully understand it. When I sit across from you at your kitchen table, you are holding on to what I say for dear life. Mm-hmm. Yes. Dear, how are you going to prove it? And unfortunately, unethical folks in the industry, they're, they're taking advantage of that trust, that trust that could propel them to the moon and back, they're looking at it as a short gain. So when he said that to me, I realized that I am literally doing this for the long haul and I don't I don't don't focus so much on the money. So when times get hard, just like he said, I try to get creative. Mm-hmm. I try to if I feel down in my industry or you know sales may not be going, I try to train my reps a little harder. I try to help yes. push. Um, so I'm actually agreeing with you wholeheartedly that a why is is critical. But you touched on another important thing that you said, grit. There's another famous TED talk about yes. grit. <laughs> Can't remember the young lady name that did that talk. Um, but grit, in, in in your in your explanation or in your opinion, what is grit and how do we develop grit? Because so, I think I honestly think purpose is great, but purpose will fill you with emotions. It will go up and down. You feel motivated, but if you don't develop them habit to create that grit, you're 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 goner. So, in your opinion, like what do you, what is grit? 
You know, you're absolutely right on that. Uh, there are days that we may not feel good or sales aren't where we want them to be, that sort of thing. So, one, the purpose has to drive us uh, to keep serving the people that we're serving to make us want to keep going. And because we're not going to always be motivated or inspired. And um, I don't know if you've read the book Aspire by Frank McKinney, but he talks about not inspiration, not motivation, but aspiration. aspiration. You have to aspire to something that is so big, you can't not do it. That you live to do it. And so that is one thing that you need to have. And then that will help (laughs) with your drive and your grit. And then you've got to have the grit, that stick-to-itiveness, that willingness to get in the trenches, do the work, even when you don't feel like it, even when it's hard. Mm. And um, I've read the book, Grit, and I can't remember the author's name either right now, uh, but... It is because we're always going to stumble and we're always going to have times that are hard in our businesses. It's never going to be smooth sailing the entire time that we're in business. And even if we have long periods of success, something will happen that will create a setback or slow us down. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a combination the purpose which is why we're doing what we're doing and who we're serving and how Mm -hmm. and uh, that aspiration that it's so important to us that we can't not do it Mm -hmm. and then having the grit that really makes us keep pushing forward even when times are tough even when when we don't want to even when we come across a big stumbling block i think you need all of that together in order to be successful as a business owner. That, that makes so much sense. And then when you have that that purpose and you have that overall grit and you're going to go through a storm a million times and get back up a million and one time, and that's not even an overstatement, it's real, <laughs> um, you need techniques, you need tools. Um, and I've I've I consumed the book uh, Atomic Habit recently. I did I did that audio, mm-hmm. and he gave some practical um, things to help folks who decide that they want to go for something that's bigger than themselves. And one of it is he's like, make it easy. Yes. Like. Sometimes I think entrepreneurs. Sometimes we are addicted to heart. <laughs> <laughs> I honest, I really is when okay. So with me in my trajectory of my career, I just coming up through the ranks as as a salesman, right? Mm-hmm. Selling the solar, like I'd be selling this thing from eight o'clock till twelve at night. I'm no, I'm not kidding. Like for real, real, sitting with multiple homeowners. I I always tell homeowners I can be in like three to four continent in one day. Not going physical to the continent, but I'd meeting with an Indian family today, an Asian family to the, tomorrow, a European family uh-huh. the later that same day, and you know somebody from the Caribbean, a family from Africa, 
all in one day, right? Uh, experience like that get you very cultured. Uh, but to kind of go back to what I was saying is sometimes we are, it seems like we're just addicted to um, just the struggle, right? Mm -hmm. And when he said that, when I'm consuming that book and he said, make it easy, I'm like, that actually makes sense. Because if you're going to do anything for a long time, you cannot make it just hard all the time. Um, what, 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 and I'm, I'm assuming that you, you're familiar with Atomic Habits and uh, that it's book. It's actually on my list. I haven't read oh, okay. it. Okay, <laughs> no worries. Yeah, so no, no problem. So that's that's one of the the, the thing that he he talked about, and you have to have cue, you know, certain cues uh, uh, that open you up to actually take action. Yes. Because like you said, um, you would be motivated or you have this strong purpose and you have the, all the grit in the world. But if you don't know how to set your environment up for you to actually take action, let, let, let's use an example that he, he used in his book about people who, who work out, for example, mm -hmm. right? A lot of people want to lose weight. A lot of people want to uh, develop in the best version of themselves physically or whatever, mentally, how, mm -hmm. wh wh whatever reason people go to the gym or, or jog or whatever, right? And one easy thing to do is just to have your clothes laid out the night before, right? So when you yes. get up, you don't have to think. Uh, so he touched on a lot of stuff like that. Just from your own experience, um, just working with business owners, what are some of the the tools, some of the structures or or different mechanism that business owners can use to make their journey as an entrepreneur or trying to get in the entrepreneurial uh, space more easy, in, in your opinion? What I have seen is uh, a lot of business owners stay in the business instead of... Um, being the visionary, being the rainmaker, and being the face of the business. Mm. And part of the reason for that is that they have not put systems and processes in place. Okay. And you can only grow so far if you have to be the one that's in it, that's guiding it, that's doing the work, and that sort of thing. Uh, if you don't have systems and processes in place, it's going to be hard. Mm. So how to make it easy is to put those systems and processes in place. Mm. So one of the things that you can do is figure out where you need those mm. as an entrepreneur in your business. Uh, I don't know if you have read Rocket Fuel by Gino Wickman. He also wrote Traction. Uh, oh, Dennis brought me traction, and I did not get to read traction. Adam's dad, he brought he brought me traction. I haven't get to read it. He probably thought I read it already, but no. Go ahead, go ahead. Also, both good I books. I got that one on my uh, my book bookshelf outside. I, I'm gonna definitely get into it. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. So his concept in Rocket Fuel is very much like what I've seen in working with business owners. Is you get so far. And now you're at the point where you can't grow because you can't keep doing it mm. as the business owner. Okay. Uh, you can't keep being the one that's managing all of your employees, managing all of the orders if you have a product, 
managing all of your teams. And so in order to grow beyond that level, you're at that tipping point where you need to do something different. And one of the somethings different that you can do is to bring in somebody to basically be your COO or your GM to actually run the operations of the business. And so you partner with that person and they understand your vision. They understand your goals and where you want to take the business. And they're completely aligned with you. Mm -hmm. And you give them the goals that you want the business to achieve to meet that vision. Yes. And then they oversee all of the teams and make it happen. I think this might be me, but I think... um a lot of entrepreneurs, they got massive egos. <laughs> I think yes, a lot of them got do. giant egos. And it's hard for many of them to find that that real compatible, um, somebody that they can align with. Uh, you know, why or how would you advise a entrepreneur that want to level up? Because I totally get where you're saying, because we all... And sometimes you can't even put figures on it. Depending on the industry that you're in, you'll fi- you'll see it in your income. You'll you'll top out about a hundred k, or you'll top out at two fifty. Yes. You'll top out about uh, at five hundred. And no matter how much more hours you work, you just you cannot. You got to know get people to help you. Or you know, you see where I'm going with that. Um, what would you suggest to entrepreneur with big egos to just chill? and actually look for those, because you're not going to find it if you're not looking. Right, you actually do have to look for it. Um, That person is also sometimes called an integrator. Mm. And so there are people that are out there that that's what they do. Uh, So you have to be looking, and uh, you have to be willing to delegate. And uh, it's not always ego. Sometimes business owners are so perfectionist that they feel like if I don't do it, it won't be done right. right. And so they, they just hold on tight and they don't want to let go. <laughs> I'm reading a more sinister book. I don't know if it's sinister. It's 48 Laws of Power. Yes. And I said, never do. <laughs> it says, never do for yourself what others could do for you. <laughs> That's one of the laws. <laughs> and there you go. <laughs> yes, I'm familiar with that one too. Yes. Uh, yes. So, y- you know, you're making, you're making some great points as far as what, you know, could help um, business owners to thrive. But you have a heart for veterans. I do I indeed. Do. Um, you want to give us a background why that is? So first and foremost, uh, as I mentioned to you a little bit earlier, I don't think veterans get treated well in this country. And it, it upsets me. You know, they sign that blank check up to and including their life to defend this country, to give us the freedoms that we have. And despite what your political thoughts are or what's going on in the country right now, each one of those individuals signed that check. And some of them paid that price. Absolutely. And I think that needs to be honored. And for that reason, 
I have started doing the work that I do with veterans as my personal tiny little way to thank them for what they have done for us in this country. And so I have started a business networking group mm -hmm. that I work with veteran business owners to help them grow their, their business. But I also, um, my father is a son of the American Revolution officially, so I'm a daughter. I just haven't done the paperwork yet. Mm -hmm. So my family served all the way back through the revolution uh, down through my grandfather's in World War II and lost one in World War II. Uh, my mom never got to meet her dad. Mm. So uh, I just, that, and um, I was actually engaged to a Navy veteran, and I lost him 10 years ago. Oh, so it's also yeah. uh, a way to honor him as well, and I just think that we need to do more for our veterans here in this Speaking country. Speaking of why and purpose, I yes. don't see any better purpose than, you know, your lineage and just trying to honor loved ones. That's that's an exceptional um, thing to have as a person that drives you. So I could see how that would would motivate you. So as a part of the network group, what, what does it do exactly? Like what, what does it help veterans with and how does it work? So there are a ton of networking groups out there. Everybody's heard of some of the, the big networking groups uh, out there. And uh, Network in Action mm -hmm. is the business that I own. It's a franchise. And so I have a couple of groups. There are many people around the city and the country, and we're expanding internationally now, that have multiple groups. And the whole concept is... We're actually a little bit more than networking groups. We call ourselves business growth groups okay. because we don't just focus on networking. We focus on always adding value to our members and providing them with things that will help them be successful in life and in their businesses. In addition to the networking that they do in our meetings, and it's all designed to help them grow their businesses and then build their sales and grow their businesses that way through referrals. So basically, all the members in the group are your marketing team. Yeah, you you hit my. It's like a a, a neat thing for me. Referrals. Yeah. In my industry, it's like the. It's like the Holy Grail. I would guess in any industry, but in the solar sales business, that's the only way to go, in my mm -hmm. opinion. You go online, you can market, you can go door to door. You, there's a, a, a litany of ways you can actually bring clients in. But the referral game, like when I do one of my consultations, if I'm not walking out with at least three referrals, I don't feel like I did a good job. So in the network group, how do, say, for example, I'm not a veteran, but say, for example, a veteran owned a solar company <laughs> yes, and he was a part of the group. How would the group kind of assist him into, you know, network in such a way where he is getting business clients in commercial mm -hmm. and residential what would you suggest or how would a group in itself help in that regards? Well, I, 
there are ways that you can do that. And part of it is networking strategically. And even seasoned networkers don't often know how to do that, even though they think they do. Yeah, I and suck at networking. I promise <laughs> you. Like, we're here one and one, and I'm in my element because I communicate with people all day yes. long at their kitchen kitchen table. So it's I, it's just because it's in front of camera now, it, it's, I'm com- very comfortable. But put me in a room with multiple people. I'm the dude that's on the phone, not making eye contact, not talking to nobody, expecting that they're going to come talk to me. I'm that guy. Yes. I'm trying to get some tips. Help me out. (laughs) So one of business owners' biggest challenges is generating a consistent stream of referrals. Because if you can get enough referrals, you don't have to market so much. You don't have to cold call and do all those various tactics that you spoke about to try to bring business in. Um, You know, the advertising really should be for brand awareness. Just to let people know you're out there. It's not necessarily to create sales. Your marketing is where you go out and you hunt your target market and give them an experience of what you're business is like what it's like doing business with you and that's where you're trying to bring your people in but um, creating a consistent stream of referrals means creating strong referral partnerships and so there is an art and a science to that and interesting that you ask is I actually have a training course oh. that I do over several weeks that teaches nice. people how to network strategically to scale their business. I'll figure out how to become a part of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can talk about that later Absolutely. if you would like. Uh-huh. Uh, so basically the group becomes your marketing team. And a lot of the networking groups out there operate in the same way. I'm a president of one of the other brands out there, former president of mm-hmm. one of the other brands out there, so I'm very familiar with how all these other groups work. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, everybody sits around one big table. Each person gets up, introduces themselves, gives their 60-second commercial, and then you get a little piece of education, and then everybody gets up and passes referrals. And they meet every single week. Nice. And you do the same thing every single week nothing new you're not learning anything new about the people that you're there with you're not learning more about how you can refer business to them so our concept is entirely different from that we only meet once a month because we think weekly is too much we're all busy busy running our businesses so we don't have time necessarily to be running to Uh, a networking group all the time. So we meet once a month, and our meetings are strategically designed for a number of different things. Mm -hmm. Our slogan is building relationships that last a lifetime. A lot of times when people leave a networking group and somebody else comes into that seat, the person who left stops getting referrals. Mm. Because they're just a body in a seat. In our groups, even when somebody leaves, they've built solid relationships. And so they still will get referrals from the group. Uh, So our goal is to help our members really spend some time building those relationships in the groups. So we do activities for them to do that. We do activities for them to help them refine their target market to really 
refine their ideal client mm-hmm. and down to demographics and psychographics mm-hmm. and all of that mm-hmm. so the other members can really understand who they need to be looking for for each other. And also we do some networking strategies in the groups, mm-hmm. but we don't sit at a big table. We sit at four tops. Okay. And our, our meetings are very interactive. And every activity that we do is designed to, one, bring value mm-hmm. and help them in their life or their business because yeah. our goal is to make business owners' lives easier. Yes. And the other piece of it, it is also designed to help them be able to better refer nice. each other. So you're you're, fam- you're familiar with um, Pearland Chambers of Commerce? Yes. Okay. Um, I I'm not I'm not a member, but I'm actually thinking to become mm-hmm. a member. What is the difference between say a Chambers of Commerce, Pearland, or anyone, um, versus like a network group, like the one? Mm-hmm. Not the first one, the second one that you're the one that's more interactive. Yes. What's the difference between those two, in your opinion? So chambers are fantastic. I mean, their whole goal is to help small business owners or business owners in general in that area, wherever they operate, to be successful and to grow their businesses. Uh, some of them do have some structured networking events. Uh, a lot of them, especially um, that that I've been to in the past, um, they host events and you meet who you meet and, you know, it's, it's totally on you mm. to go and then take that a step further and build your relationship. And in my groups too, you can't just come to a meeting once a month and expect to build a deep enough relationship yeah. that you build that know, like, and trust that's mm-hmm. going to make people refer you. Uh, you've got to do some of that on your own outside the group as well. Um, but we have a structure in place that is totally designed to help you get consistent referrals for your business. And so that is the difference, I think, between chambers uh, and networking events that you just go out to, you know, this organization's having an event or a happy hour, this one's having one, and you just meet random people. I call that shotgun networking. And (laughs) yeah. And and that's great because you do need to bring new people into your network and just meeting somebody at a networking event is not going to bring you business. It's very rare that you go to an event. So say you go to a random networking event, a chamber event, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. you meet somebody and they're going to go, oh, I've been looking to put solar on my house. (laughs) Not going to happen. No, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen like that. Right? So really your goal should be when you go to those things is to find people that you can build a relationship with who may be good referral partners with you and you for them. Yes. And so that's what we try to do in the groups is we are designed to help build each of the group members together as referral partners. And just with that whole explanation that you did, it it makes a lot of sense. uh, Because when I explained that, I was just selling, right? I never Mm -hmm. transitioned into be a business owner. Mm -hmm. Um, I wasn't thinking outside the box. I was trying to be creative. Even with this podcast, um, I was like, well, this is solar sales. We're literally not competing with anybody. True. Why not put the spotlight on other businesses? 
get people name out there and by association people start seeing my face uh, my brand my business and getting and getting the word out just like that people always say that oh we're, we're supporting veterans mm-hmm. or veterans are you know they've done the work and they should uh, definitely be rewarded justly mm-hmm. in from all facets but they never really put veteran on the forefront to assist in most of the ways from from what i've seen the reason why and you had asked me this before we we came on live um what's my affinity or why do i i like the idea of highlighting or working with 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 veterans um it's just my experience of working mm-hmm. just working and just by chance working with a veteran or over time meeting more and working with more and and, and I'd kind of see their dedication like I I just I'm remembering one of my first interaction was, was with a kid called Connor and Connor was uh young he probably was like in his early 20s no more than 2021 and he said Shellen I was in the military or whatnot, but I was what they call a grunt. Uh-huh. He told me what <laughs> his first time I even heard the term a grunt, right? But I was his mentor because I, I recruited him in solar sales. I brought him in. Up to today, Connor is the hardest worker I have seen in this space, and I've seen some hard workers. They learn that when they the serve in the military. They don't quit. He doesn't ask questions. He just, I say, hey, Connor, go to, the, and I'm when I'm saying hard work, it's real hard work. Like you're going out, right now it's a heat wave. They're going out, knocking on people's knocking door, getting rejection over and over and over. No wane in, um, in enthusiasm. Still like Shellen, where is like, it's, it's almost, he's treating him like some type of commander. You just need me to point. And he <laughs> runs and he gets it done and he just comes back, he gets his feedback and he runs again. And I'm like, how can I duplicate this guy a million times? So, so that's why you're looking to hire veterans. <laughs> I get it. I totally get it. That was some of my earlier experience with veterans. And I figured that if I can empower these people um, to get in an industry that serves like legit serve because if you're in solar you have to you have to believe that what you're doing because nothing is a perfect fix okay nothing is a perfect fix but if you have to believe that what you're doing is adding for the greater good of humanity yes if you believe that you're gonna do the work and i not only with just him as just coming, trying to get in the industry. I have known of um, uh, veterans who've started solar companies and they just blows it up like oh, to the moon because they, in my, what I've seen is that they have this strong sense of purpose. Yes. Maybe the purpose is not to whatever they did overseas, but it's now to serve this new industry. And that's why I am looking 
mostly for veterans, so much so that I go to local colleges. And I find out, I didn't know this, I find out that, like, I'm a TSU, TSU grad, and I find out that they actually have a whole department. <laughs> for veteran programs, yes, yes for like, when they transition out, which is actually a very hard time in their lives. Mm, you want to talk about that a little bit? Because I know, and I'm not trying, we're not trying to bounce back and forth, but we're sure. talking about veteran in general. And you, earlier you explained that you've, you've counseled with trauma, and that can be a, a hard part. Talk, you want to talk about that intersection a little bit? Absolutely. So uh, when somebody is in the military, their day is structured from the second that they get out of the rack in the morning to the second they land in the rack at night. They are being told what to do, when to do it, how to do it, and all of their days. Kind of like Connor. He's like, put me in coach all day long. Yes, <laughs> yes. And so that routine is built for them. And the military doesn't do a whole lot for exiting soldiers to help them prepare for what's next. Are they going to go into a job or are they going to start a business or anything like that? So they don't really get any preparation. And they come out and... And they're like, well, now what do I do? And they don't know what to do with themselves because there's nobody telling them what time to get up and what to do and when to eat and all the things that they're used to. So they don't have that structure anymore. And sometimes they flounder. Mm -hmm. uh, in fact, I have a friend who does transition coaching for people coming out to help them navigate that transition into civilian life more successfully and effectively without so much damage. And, and he, that came from his own struggle wow. with his transition out of the Marines. Yeah. And so um, that's just, it's a real challenge for them. Some of them navigate it well and some don't. And speaking of flounder, I, you know, military athletics, it's two different things. But um, in college, I had like a lot of structure. Mm -hmm. um, I was like the regular, because I did track, right? Surprise, a Jamaican that runs yes. track, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> no stereotypes there <laughs> right, or anything. Right, right. At all, not even a little bit. So that's why we got the bolt in the background right there. Got <laughs> He's it. pointing right at your head right now. <laughs> in the video camera, it shows it. that. But, but yeah, um, just doing athletics, uh, it everything was structured. Like from the time I wake up, I there was a certain routine, and I was doing that all the way through college. Didn't really get a lot of chance to do um, internships or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And I did phone like my first two years out of college. I floundered. It was like I, I, I like I'm not, I'm not. I see myself not becoming the becoming the pro athlete. But even though I was trying, you know, I, I went like semi-pro, kind of went overseas a couple of times out of college, but that was never going to put food on the table, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so I floundered a little bit, and I, I honestly, for me, it was my immigrant background that kind of just woke me up. I'm like, Shellen, is this what you're in the States to do? Just fun, you know, kind of just float and not have a purpose. And I'm like, hey, you didn't come here for this. Like, let, let's figure it out. And that's when I started. I make finding a job my full-time job. And that's how I got into sales. Okay. Because I actually applied for a 
a job as a designer, like a AutoCAD, because we did a lot of uh, construction management. That's what I did in school. So we did a lot of AutoCAD. I applied. <clears throat> I applied for a job to become like a AutoCAD designer, estimator, that whole deal. And lo and behold, my resume landed in the sales department. That guy uh, called me in for an interview, and I was like, "Sure, why not?" Mm-hmm. Did the interview. Went in for the interview and have no work experience. I didn't even have any type of, you know, just basic training. And I could tell he was a vet, like not a veteran, but he was, a, he knows his stuff. He's kind of like what I'm going to be maybe 20 years from now, mm-hmm. the guy that I met, right? He got in the compressor, uh, those huge compressors, you know, those um, yes. centrifuge. He got into it when... When he was making a uh, sales call, it was uh, he got to go to a rotary phone on the side of the road. <laughs> yes. So Neil, Neil was it was my first boss. Neil was like a like again what I am right now for mm. solar, like uh, a pioneer for that industry, right? Almost. And he just asked me one question. He said, "Why do you want to?" Um, oh no, he actually asked me. Why did I did the degree that I did in school, which was the construction? And I went on this elaborate story how Jamaica waterfront is underdeveloped. And if they should get more construction, there's going to bring more tourism. Everybody just goes to the North Coast. We want them in Kingston, too, to show more of the cult, overall culture of the, the country. And I could look that he was like, oh, OK, I see this guy got some purpose. And I'm pretty sure guys were there because uh, he had like a stack of resume. And I'm pretty sure maybe 90% of those guys had sales experience. I didn't have any work experience. And I was the guy that they, that they chose for a sales job. <laughs> uh, so, again, you know, purpose is totally important. Um, people flounder and eventually figure out what they need to do, kind of like in my case, just my mm-hmm. background. Um what do you find help most better when they're in that phase where they're kind of in limbo? What, what stick them for that? Because I know many of them actually mm-hmm. find it. But what, what caused them to stick to figure out what direction they need to go? You know, I haven't worked with any veterans in that phase in their life, so I really can't speak to that. But... If I were to guess, it would go back to some of what we spoke about earlier, Mm -hmm. about um, that internal, external locus of control. And, uh, okay, so these are my circumstances. Now, I can be a victim of those circumstances, and I can continue to flounder, Mm -hmm. or I can take a look at these and figure out what I need to do to respond in a way that is positive for me Mm. Um, and or I can get help right Mm -hmm. I can find somebody else who's been through this who can support me who can help me I can find a place where I can connect with other veterans who have been through this that um, brotherhood slash sisterhood of veterans when they come together there's a camaraderie there that is like in unlike anything else in the world, yeah, being in especially the with your combat veterans, nobody else has had those kinds of life experiences. And so in particular for combat veterans, I've seen that, that they are just so tight. 
with each other and really help and support each other in any way that they can. And of course, there are a number of organizations here in the city uh, that will help support them. Okay, so I'm, I guess I'm going to be a little selfish and pick your brains as far as <laughs> I, I'm looking for veterans. <laughs> I've made that clear. <laughs> um, because I do think, I, and I'm opening up my installation side of business as well as the sales side and kind of how do I, as a non-veteran, like appeal mm-hmm. to veterans to want to work? For me, what were some of the things that you think I could do as a business owner to, to say, let them look at me? Because I know uh, they're they're big on leadership, mm-hmm. right? I know that they're big on that, and I wouldn't consider myself like a perfect leader. I'm learning, right? Mm-hmm. But one thing I know is unwavering about me is like I'm doing this for the real purpose of actually helping people. Um, what are some of the things that you figured you figured would help me as a business owner attract more veterans? So that is a really good question, Sheldon. Um, I think one of the most important things is that you're coming from here. You're coming from your heart. And you are here to serve. So the way that I ended up starting my veterans group is I was building another group that I have and I met with a custom home builder who was a veteran Hmm. and he told me he said my business partner and I have always wanted to build a group that was all veteran business owners networking together and referring business to each other and helping each other but we don't have time to do that And all of a sudden, the light bulb went off for me, and I just knew that was my next group. And I said, I'll build that group for you. And so because my heart for veterans, as I started to go out and build it, even though I'm what I call a passionate patriot, not a veteran myself, my heart to serve them Mm -hmm. came through. And I think story also sells, right? I would tell people that story, and I would tell the people I was talking to a little bit about my background and why I have a heart for them and that sort of thing, and that I want to serve and support them in being successful. And so they get that I'm not just in it for the money. Yes, it's my business. Yes, I'm making money on it. But that's not my purpose in bringing them together. And so they were receptive to what I was doing. And the people in my group and my greater community in the veteran community, they've been very accepting of me and what I'm doing because it's my heart to serve them. So I think that that genuineness and your heart to serve and the reasons why you want to help and sharing your story about it is really a good way to go about it. That's true. And I thought of that. I thought of that. We, we, we're about to... I, so I thought about that. And I, I, um, I mentioned um, when we were talking about why and, and everything like that, mm-hmm. that your story is, is important. And I went a little bit, explained my story some, um, why I do this type of work, but just kind of coming from a developing country. Mm-hmm. I mean, no electricity, like yes. legit, 
our annual um, uh, uh, income for the average minimum wage worker in Jamaica is like $1,900. Like insane, right? And the average cost per kilowatt for electricity, I kid you not, is around 45 cents per U.S. dollars, kilowatt hours. Wow. Yeah. Therefore, therefore, and I, I'm going somewhere with this, therefore, folks in my country do what they called um, bridging lights, right? Okay. They bridge electricity. That's, that's one of the reasons why I even chose the name for this podcast, Energy Bridge. Right? We're really bridging energy from different you know, experiences to learn from each other, right? But it really was, uh, and all that really is, is they're stealing electricity. Wow. Yeah. But because of a, as a culture, we don't, we don't like thieves. <laughs> they just had to find another word to call it because a huge swath, imagine, of the population has to do it just to have electricity. Mm -hmm. That is terrible. It is uh, terrible. It's just terrible, right? And that's where my passion came from as far as to say, okay, I'm a son of that soil. I want to see my country. Like you mentioned, you're a huge patriot, just like myself. So I, I, it, it just, it, it, it's, it, I know the love that you feel. Yes. It just makes so much sense that if I get in an industry like this and I can make a successful venture, in the energy capital of the world, the politicians have to listen to me. They're like, hey, this is this can be done. We don't have to ship in all or or energy. You know, I always say, and I, I said it funny, you know, we don't have to dig up dinosaurs and burn them just to power up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's how I look at it, okay? You know, let the let the fossils rest. Okay. <laughs> let the turtles rest, let the dinosaurs rest, let the crocodiles rest, let them stay where they are, right? So, and then 60% of our GDP, Jamaica GDP, is from tourism. Of course. Coral is essential for those white sand beaches that we yes, have. Yes, it is. And to have those, to have only fossil fuels as our source of energy, like 98%, it doesn't make sense. So my passion towards that is, is huge. That is part of my story. Mm -hmm. Um and this is the, the last thing we're going to touch on. Any fun story for you where you've seen a veteran, right? Um, you know, either not had enough direction or just starting a business or just coming out of the military, got in, got in a network group and kind of figured it out and it's kicking ass. Do, do you have any fun story? Yes, I actually do. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is one of my proudest accomplishments with okay. the veterans is... Um, so I spoke to that custom home builder okay. uh, in the fourth quarter of 2020 and launched my group in January of 2021. And one of my founding members from that got the idea to start a Veterans Chamber of Commerce. Wow. And in April, he launched the Veterans Chamber of Commerce here. Let's so you should probably go. get involved with that, as well as let's Absolutely. talk about you getting involved with some of what I'm doing, Definitely. because I think it will help you. Mm -hmm. And that chamber has grown so much mm -hmm. and so fast. And we 
the chamber is actually changing the veteran business economy here in Houston. Mm. Uh, they did yeah, their first veteran <laughs> business expo last year, highlighting veteran businesses. They did it at HCC over on the West Loop. Okay. It's going to be at George R. Brown this year. Let's go. So uh, they've really been making a difference in helping the veteran business economy here, and that is their mission. I, w- I would think that something like that would have been existing 30 years ago. <laughs> I would have thought so, too. Fourth largest city in the oh country, and there was no... My group uh-huh. was the first organization to bring veteran business owners together to grow their businesses through referrals. You know what? I really believe in the law of attraction. And when you're on wavelength and your heart is in the right place, because I thought, where did we connect? Next door. Next door. Yes. Right? Just random. Like, I posted something on, uh, was it uh, veterans? You were looking to hire veterans. Yeah. And it just so happened that, wow. You did say one of the ladies that started out was a Jamaican lady. Yes, she was one of my founding members. Oh, wow. And she is a realtor. And um, so, and she's amazing too. She ended up taking on, so there's an organization called, um, it's Veterans Association of Real Estate Professionals, uh, VA rep. And she took on the directorship of that. And between that and her business, she wasn't able to commit the time to stay in the group. But, you know, she helped us get the group off the ground. She was instrumental and she's fantastic and um, doing really great with that. And so that's another organization that you probably should get involved with. I will introduce you to her. I appreciate that. And so and that's another thing is connecting other people who need to know each other because it will benefit the two of them, Absolutely. even though you're not getting anything out of it, is one of the best things you can do in, and in networking and growing. That's a, and, and we 100% need to keep in touch. And as I, uh, I sent you this long uh, text or on, on message, and I'm like, this is what... And you could read it and tell, like, this guy got a vision to see how yes. he could do his part um, so I'm just, it's an open invitation to you and any other veteran, uh, military background individual that figured that they would want a spotlight to come on this pod- podcast and talk to us and, um, just have fun and learn and tell their story. So, uh, one love, it was a, it was an amazing experience. It certainly you. was. And, uh, Thank you for having me, Sean. This was hella fun. I, I, you know what? Time flies when you're having fun. Cause I was thinking, man, yes. <laughs> you talking for a minute.